Okay, welcome back to The 100 Report. I'm Chris. I'm Charlie. And we are coming to you from a rather gloomy England at the moment. It's all gone from the sublime to the ridiculous, hasn't it? Uh, Is it the same down south? It's pouring with rain, so much so that I was on a walk um, yesterday with my sister and my dog, and suddenly we had thunder, lightning, and I'm ashamed to say my mum had to come and collect us because we were really (laughs) nervous stuck up on this hill somewhere. Oh, man. Well, um, this is the first time that we're doing uh, the main 100 report from doing our Back to the Basics stuff, which you can see on YouTube if you're interested, uh, because we've had some actually quite big news because they uh, have announced that we are going to see some cricket in England this summer. And it's actually the first team in any discipline of sport that has come over to England since the coronavirus pandemic. So hats off to the West Indies cricket team for coming. And we thought we should get on and discuss the ramifications. So um, the big news was the squad selection, right? Yeah, so uh, the ECB announced, um, and we knew that it was coming, we spoke about it for a while, 55 players, which they're going to incorporate into their training squad. Now that means that they were priority to get into their local training facility and train um, with England coaches on hand. Now, these are going to, players are going to be used, obviously, in the England squad throughout the year, whether it's going to be in the Test or the One Day or the T20. But some interesting names in there. I'm really pleased, obviously, having spoken a lot about the domestic teams with the 100, that we're seeing some of the domestic teams involved. Some of them even uncapped for England. I think there are about 13 or 14 uncapped players that are involved in this training squad. Mm-hmm. But there was a big name left out of the training squad there was it was Alex Hales uh, sadly the now infamous Alex Hales and it was um I, I was a bit shocked really so we spoke a couple of weeks ago about Alex Hales and his path back into playing for England again and we were even talking about a podcast that you saw on Sky Sports when Nasser Hussain was talking about how he served his time he should sort of come back into the fold but this sends out quite a clear message that England have kind of uh, kind of done with him for now. Uh, it's a big blow. I mean, I am definitely with Nasser Hussein on this. He's served his time. He's missed out on probably the best moment of his career, lifting that World Cup trophy with the absolutely. rest of the squad last year. I think we spoke about it on the Trent, Ro- Trent Rockets podcast because obviously he was named in the Trent Rockets team. But he's definitely done his time. But I think it's clear to see that Owen Morgan just holds such high kudos with everyone in the ECB. He is possibly the best one-day captain in the world right now. So he wants to choose a team that he feels most comfortable with. And at the end of the day, he probably has the last say. It's a big risk because I think in terms of the the T20 World Cup coming up, Alex Hales is a massive player. He does so well on the shorter formats. So if, if it goes well and if we win and if we do really well, it won't be talked about. But if we don't, it's a huge sticking point. It's a big risk, I think. Oh, definitely. And we also have an omission of Liam Plunkett. I think basically the ECB have said to Liam Plunkett, the World Cup was your swan song and we're kind of moving past Liam Plunkett. And the only other person that didn't show up was Jamie Porter. But Jamie Porter has been on the fringe of the England cricket team for a while. So I, I don't see a big flag in that. It really was just the Alex Hales thing. Um, but moving on to the actual squad selection... And like you said, we were fortunate in a sense because we got to really get to know some of the 100 players that were very exciting. And some of our particular favourites as we were going through have made it into this huge training squad that have been given permission to train up as part of the England team. 
and uh, I was very happy to see Will Jacks in there, uh, the sorry batsman, because I think he's he's going to be quite a big deal uh, as soon as he gets older. Um, and quite a lot of other ones. We've got the familiar faces. We have basically everybody who was a centrally contracted player there. And I, I think this is a really interesting move to, to announce a squad this big going forward because of all the permutations of how we're going to play cricket behind closed doors and how we're going to potentially cross over squads because that's one thing that I think that the ECB and, and most world cricket organisations have got to start thinking about now because obviously somebody like Ben Stokes, for example, plays in all three formats of the game, but because of time limitations, quarantine, closed-door cricket, it might not be able to work like that and we might have to pick sole squads for a T20 team and sole squads for a test team. Yeah, so I think going along that line, it would be interesting to see there's a couple of players that do cross over in the two teams. Joe Root bring one of them, uh, as you mentioned, Ben Stokes. We've got Moeen Ali, potentially Johnny Burstow and Joss Butler. Mm. I think those are all of them. What would we say with those players? Where would you most likely place them if you had to choose between one or the other? Well, um, I think this is probably down to a personal preference of what type of cricket I enjoy. And I love test cricket. So Ben Stokes would walk into any three of those teams. But for me, he goes in the test squad. Joss Butler, for me, he's he's never really fulfilled his potential in test matches as far as I'm concerned, such as my opinion is. But I would say Joss Butler in the one-day squad. Johnny Bairstow, I would also say in the one-day squad. Because I think, we, like we were talking about with the London Spirit squad, there's so many test batsmen around. There's a glut of test specialist batsmen like Don Sibley, Rory Burns, Zach Crawley. So I think if you've got these strong players who can work well in the ODI squad, that's where I would put them. How about you? Well, I do agree with you up to a point. However, we did see last year when Joss Butler was chosen over Johnny Bairstow in the Test Series. And Joe Root was um, quite upfront about the fact that, no, we're not going to try Ben Folks. We want to keep it a consistent format and we want um, Joss Butler to be our wicketkeeper. So Mm. in that respect, I do think that it makes sense to separate Johnny Bairstow and Joss Butler with the gloves. So I think Johnny Bairstow is obviously the most, one of the most amazing opening batsmen. He would definitely go in the one-day squad for me, mm-hmm. which would mean that Joss Butler would have to have a test place. Yes, you're, you're far more clued up with the uh, with the official statements than me, I think. <laughs> I think I've just been going with my heart rather than And I think uh, my that um, Joe Root's a no-brainer. Obviously, he's the test captain. He yeah. has to remain in the test squad. Um, but Moeen Ali is an interesting one as well, because I'm hoping with him involved in this training squad and this summer ahead, I'm hoping he's had enough of a break to be involved in the test team if he if he feels up for it. Yeah. Where would you put him? I think it's just because of where I think he's best suited as a player. I would put him in the test team. Uh, I think that we have some more... Well, no, actually, I'm going to backtrack on that because I think that we have spin bowlers coming up at the moment with people like Dom Bess, for example, who can fulfil the spin bowler's role in the test side. And, Jack Leach. Uh, yeah, Liam Dawson. You know, there's there's a few. Actually, I'm going to change my mind and say Moeen goes in the ODI squad for me. 
I'm with you on that, I think. Yeah, yeah. For I'm, now, glad, anyway. I'm glad I walked but that one back. But it's a shame we have to pick because, you know, we don't know actually what's going to happen in the future when it comes to the one day. It's, yeah. We're more at the moment focusing on that test squad because we have had the most amazing news, as you briefly spoke about in the beginning of the podcast, which is the West Indies have agreed to come over to England for a three-test series, yeah. which I have to take my hats off to them and we really should get behind them and applaud them because I think that's super brave for them to do that. Mm. We're talking about islands with some of the islands, the population is less than our total death count here in the UK. So that's pretty scary to come over here when there's 40 plus thousand people um, died from COVID-19 and to leave your friends and family and come over for for six weeks in total. They're going to come over and do three weeks of isolation and warm-ups um, and then three weeks of of the test series so that's that's no mean feat really is it I, I do take my hat off I think in in the current climate especially when the idea of and I can only speak for me and I assume you feel the same as getting on a plane and going into places like that where you feel like you're putting yourself in physical danger. I mean, at the moment, I still feel on edge when I go down to the corner shop to go and buy food. So I can't imagine what getting on a plane and then flying from... Where was their route? You you were describing the route of how much they had to travel to get here. Yeah, so it was quite complicated. So they had to charter their own plane, a private plane, to get over to England. And obviously, it can't be a little easy jet number. It has to be a sort of a big, a big plane to do the eight-hour flight over here from the West Indies. So, But obviously, being the West Indies, a lot of the players live on different islands. So mm-hmm. they had to do an internal flight, which is a Liat flight. I believe that was also chartered for them. And they sort of picked up around the houses as such, all these different islands, and they ended up in Antigua. And then they flew over from Antigua to Manchester, straight to Manchester, which is where they are based for three weeks of isolation. Now, they were tested before, uh, the week before they were flying. They had to get all the results back. They were all negative, obviously. Mm -hmm. They then were tested as soon as they landed in Manchester and they were in their hotel safely. So everyone in this bubble now is routinely tested uh, each week. And they are going to be there for three weeks for preparation. And then they're going to travel down to Southampton before the first test match, which starts on the 8th of July. Again, they'll be tested there in a biosecure place. The good thing about uh, the Aegeus Bowl and Manchester Old Trafford is that we know that they are there are hotels directly in the yes. cricket ground. So that's where they're going to be staying. Yeah. But, you know, they the thing about these tours, as we know, is... When you're doing an away tour, you barely, your cricket board barely make any money out of it because you normally fund your own travel. It's more for the experience. It's the home team that reap most of the rewards with television rights and ticket sales yeah. in their home ground. So um, I think it would have taken a lot of persuasion from the ECB to, you know, to get the West Indies on board with this. And also they're going to have to help them out financially, right? Because it, it can't be on them to charter their own flight over to the UK to help, help well, exactly, the ECB yeah. out. To come and entertain so us, yes. They, the ECB did take the cost of that. They chartered the flight over. And the West Indies team were, they all took a 50% pay cut in July, which they have now been up to $5,000, I believe, for coming over here per per person as a sort of a little, I guess, financial reward in coming. Yeah. But they were given full disclosure and they were, they were spoken to by lots of different people, including... You know, professionals and scientists over here talking about the biosecure network, what that would look like. And they were given the option to opt out. There were three players that were given the op- that, that actually took the option. To yeah, yeah, I remember reading come. that. And it's going to have no bearing over their 
selection in future tours, which I think is absolutely the right thing. But you were right because this is going to be the first televised sporting event that's happened in England. Because I know that things like the German Football League has started, the Premier League's going to start again soon. That especially if you're a cricket fan at the moment, it feels really incumbent upon people to get behind this and go and watch it and and support it because the TV rights are going to be financing cricket. And as we know, it's like every industry at the moment. It's feeling a real financial hit. And especially when you start reading about how club teams and county teams even are facing collapse because of the idea that they've had to shut and we've missed almost half of the English domestic season right now. So I think it's it's really important and it's it's just as fair because West Indies are basically coming to save our bacon and to save the English game. That's kind of how I view it anyway. That is literally it. And I mean, I for one am so thankful for them and I do really do rate them as heroes coming over here because I have to say, if the shoe was on the other foot, what would happen? I mean, we have had similarities in other respects to do with um, Pakistan, to do with Bangladesh. But if if things were the other way round, would only three England players opt out of going to the West Indies? We don't know. Thankfully, we're not in that situation. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But you bring up an interesting comparison, actually, with the with the Bangladesh thing. Because I remember, I think it was 2017, I think, when England went over to Bangladesh and they played in Dhaka and uh, a couple of other venues. But because of security concerns in Bangladesh, the England players were, again, given the option to to back out. But I remember this was... Because I remember the two high-profile ones that backed out were Alex Hales and Owen Morgan. And they were said... Well, they were told by the squad selectors that it potentially could have a bearing on their selection in future tours, which I, I at the time, thought was quite unfair. And I'm just glad to see that the West Indies Cricket Board have come out and said... If you choose to opt out of this tour, it's not going to have any bearing on your selection because uh, I think that's the right thing to do. But yeah. yeah, and I think that I hope that they're going to be really rewarded for doing this for us. I mean, we were speaking off there earlier about during the World Cup, you have merit points for being a good sporting team and conducting mm. yourself well in a particular manner during the competition. I just really hope that the ICC reward the West Indies Cricket Board and also help out other um you know slightly less funded cricket boards around the world we always talk about the big three england australia india yeah but i hope this is this is taken note i'm sure it will be because i think it's the first of the sort of big teams to face each other during this covid19 virus i just really hope they'll be rewarded and, and it will be remembered for having done this i absolutely agree with you it's interesting because you were talking about the big three getting the uh, getting the money in and it was interesting because that came up on an article i was reading which came in response it was an article about well it was from james anderson's perspective about whether the england players would follow suit if the west indies decide to do something, not a protest, but some kind of uh, tribute to the Black Lives Matter movement, which is obviously a big global movement that's going on right now. But it does address a very important kind of part of cricket and the, you know, the the idea that somewhere like the West Indies, where there are people of colour and uh, black people who are um, propping up a game in the UK 
and kind of feeling a little bit of a disbalance, because I don't want to get too political about this because that's not why we run this podcast, but it does bear saying that there's an added level of uh, kind of imbalance because if you've got people from the West Indies who are predominantly people of colour coming to a place with a very high infection rate of COVID where it's just been proven that if you are in any way uh, black or uh, minority ethnic, you are at a greater risk of contracting COVID-19. And I think it takes, it's that extra level of bravery that I think is um, worth worth bearing and worth mentioning. And also, like you were talking about the, the financial side of the cricket boards, a minor country and let's uh, let's face it the west indies is now uh, certainly not what it was in the 80s but is a kind of a minor test playing nation um kind of needs to get some redirection of of money and funds and it's interesting isn't it because we were we were comparing the uh, the black lives matter movement and juxtaposing it immediately with the windrush scandal as well and it's it, you know we could we could go on forever about the the political implications of a sport because you know for one way or another there are there are always politics involved in sports and i think that this is very important but i think it was lovely that uh, james anderson came out and said if there is some kind of a protest then we will uh, then we'll get behind it because i think that it yeah. needs to be done yeah, I think they are um, the West Indies team are considering sort of a nod to the protests and in support of Black Lives Matter, maybe taking a knee during the national anthems. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a lovely touch if the England players joined them with that, because, you know, racism needs to be fought by everybody. And we even saw last summer that Jofra Archer had some racist slurs and attacks in our very own country. So yeah. and he's playing for our country. So and it's there is absolutely no need for that. And it, it needs to be spoken about across all platforms and it, i think racism is prevalent in sport as much as as it is anywhere else mm. so and it does mirror you know the west indies being called up to help england out does mirror um actions of the past and i think that we really need to recognize them um as as heroes and as a great sporting nation and we need to support them as much as they're helping helping us because in fact as I mentioned before, this is the first of the big teams that are playing in these conditions. So all eyes are going to be on how it's going to work. Is it going to be successful? Are the players all going to be safe? Are some, you know, journalists, there's going to be a bubble of journalists as well, sort of keeping to themselves and they're going to have regular yeah. checks. But how's that going to work? And all eyes are on us, really. And Pakistan's eyes are on us because if this works and if it's successful, they're still considering coming over for their series which is a mixture of one day games and test games so yeah. it really needs to be successful i've no doubt anyone listening to this podcast is obviously a huge cricket fan but encourage your friends and family i think it's unfortunately just going to be on sky the three test matches against the West highlights Indies. are going to be on bbc though apparently highlights on bbc yeah. but yeah. please encourage friends and family to tune in there's not much else going on right now. We just we just want the figures to be high. I'm no doubt they will be, but it just shows that people are willing cricket to be successful. And hopefully, you know, also fingers crossed, Chris. I mean, goodness, we've been complaining in April and May doing all of the the hundred um, podcasts how hot it was. We couldn't even go out. Yeah, exactly. And now 
it's pouring down with rain. <laughs> it's pouring with fingers rain. Fingers crossed. We just have great weather for it because that would just be sod's law. No, you're absolutely right. Um, yeah, and the more you get behind it, I think everybody's chomping at the bit for a bit of live sport now. And also, you know, so many people are off work and looking for ways to fill your days. And there is nothing better or no no better way to fill your day than by watching eight hours of cricket a day for an entire test match. Um, but that is an interesting Thing. So I think what what I reckon we could do now is have a go at what we think our predicted 11 are going to be for the first test of the West Indies. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about what's going to happen with Pakistan going ahead and looking at the idea of crossover teams. Um, I'm sure we'll talk a bit more about that in the next one. But um, yeah, so predicted test 11, who are you going for your openers? Um, difficult one because Rory Burns is back fit mm. and... As we spoke about in previous podcasts with his injury, he's been left out of, of the test team or of, of obviously all of the team. Yeah. But um, so in his place, we obviously found good openers in Zach Crawley and Dom Sibley. Yeah. Dom Sibley. And then Joe Denley played very well. Oh, of at course. Yeah. Three in the end. So where do we fit back in Rory Burns? I'd like to see him back. I'd like to see him. For me, I'm going to be brutal. I think Zach Crawley comported himself well but Rory Burns is the kind of the the incumbent the holder and Dom Sibley for me has made more of a lasting impression at the top of the order so I think Zach Crawley I'm just going to put him to one side there might still be room for him uh, there might still be but okay let's go Dom uh, yeah. Sibley um, Rory Burns yep. uh, Joe num- Denley yeah number three and of course Joe Root Joe number Root. four you can't now not. we have to remember that Joe Root's actually expecting his second child and uh, he yeah. will be missing out I think it's the third test uh, okay there you go Zach Crawley can go into the third test in place of Joe Root there you go <laughs> um, so and then we've got Ben Stokes at number five uh, it's, it's gonna happen and Ollie Pope at number six again this is kind of um, as we as we're going through, all of these guys have proved themselves recently. I mean, Ollie Pope in that South Africa series is just incredible, and he's he's earned a long run in the test side for me. Are you doing Ollie Pope instead of Joss Butler? No, no, I'm not. Okay. Um, because I'm taking on board your advice and what you were talking about, <laughs> that I think that Joss Butler, we're putting him in as the wicketkeeper at number seven. Okay. And so we have eight, nine, ten, and Jack. So I think the three quicks... Well, Broad, Anderson, Archer. I think, unfortunately, Wokes misses out, but that's okay because he's going to come in at a later time, I'm certain. And then you've got to give Jack to Jack Leach. Jack Leach. Well, I was going to have a little discussion with you about Jack Leach or Don Bess. I just like Don Bess's attitude. I loved this. The the South Africa series when he was playing. I can't remember who it was. Oh, no, it was Bumble. It was David Lloyd who said, Don Bess just looks like one of those guys that's after a scrap. And he always looks like one of those guys that no matter how clean he is, he always looks like he's just got his whites really dirty. Um, because he's I very rough and tumble about him. Um, mm, what do you reckon, Don Bess or Jack Leach? I'm really at a crossroad here. Uh, I mean, Leachy's my favourite from last <laughs> summer. I'm, I just, uh, I would definitely include him. But okay. I see what you're saying, okay. and and also I wonder how many because obviously this is an unprecedented time, and you're allowed to have COVID substitutes. Now I don't know if that means literally 
people that they, oh, yeah. you know, are showing some symptoms where they're halfway through the match, they're not feeling well, they can get replaced. I'm not quite sure how that works or whether you're actually allowed to sort of use the 12th man as, as a play. I don't know what's going to happen, more like, at the moment... Do you think it's a bit like the concussion substitutes? That, as in, if they're if they're out, they get replaced for the whole match. So I think there's only Marnus Labashain who's been used as a concussion substitute. But if that's what we're going to go by, my substitute. If we had to do one for each di- each discipline, I'm going to go Zach Crawley for the batsman, Don Best for the spin bowler, and Chris Wokes for the seam bowler. I was going to say, we've got to get Chris Wokes in there. Yeah, exactly. I guess it depends on the conditions as well. I mean, it's been so dry this whole summer, but as we're talking, there's nothing but rain. So we'll see what the what when it's the humid. actually going to look like. Yeah, um, it's going to be swing friendly. Before. Definitely but swing good, friendly. That's a good looking, looking side. I like that. Yeah, I think so that. too. Well, why don't we um, why don't we draw a line on it there and we can go on to the the permutations as far as the Pakistan series goes as we go. Um, they have announced their squad and at the moment they've only announced two players who aren't going to be part of that squad and that is Mohammed Amir and Harris Sahail. They're the only two that have pulled out and uh, it's it's pretty much your usual suspects for everybody else. It'll be exciting to see uh, Babar Azam come over for the T20s and yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff. And uh, Shaheen Shah Afridi is going to be there. And the evergreen Wahab yeah, Riaz. Looking forward to that one. Yeah, Wahab Riaz. Like, I'm a, I'm a sta- that guy seems to just keep going. I actually don't know how old he is, but for a fast bowler, especially a 90 mile an hour fast bowler, that he's still in the squad and will still be playing, I am astounded. But uh, anyway, let's uh, let's wrap up there. So as ever. You can follow us on social media with uh, the Hundred Report. It's the uh, at the Hundred Report on Instagram and at Hundred Report on Twitter. And also, this is going to go up on YouTube as well as the uh, Apple Podcasts. So, also, please do keep sending in your questions because I've really enjoyed answering those questions on the Back to Basics podcast. So, if you or a friend or anybody has a question about something in cricket that perhaps you don't understand or a permutation, send us it. Uh, send us it over social media or whatever. But anyway, that's it from us for now. So we will speak to you anon. Have a lovely time. And roll on the 8th of July. Yes, 8th of July. (laughs) Bye. Bye.